Hello, I'm Elizabeth, an obsessive backyard gardener who might be able to offer you a couple of tips. And I'm Keith, a landscape consultant, and I'm also passionate about gardening. The one thing we both have in common is muddy muddy boots. boots. On today's podcast, we're going to explore the world of native and exotic plants and compare their roles in creating beautiful and sustainable gardens. Whether you're aiming for a sustainable landscape design or just wanting to add a touch of exotic colour to your garden, we're going to tell you how you can easily integrate these very different design elements into a beautiful outdoor space. And I can't think of anyone better to talk about this particular subject than our landscape design guru, Keith Edwards. Now, you've been combining natives and exotics and edibles in your designs for years, Mm -hmm. or have you always done so? No, um, it's it's actually quite an interesting thing. You know, when when I first started out um, doing design, the the push at that stage, and we're going back, you know, forty years, I suppose. The push at that stage was to use um, exotic plants, so very creating very very English types of gardens, mm, mm. and then um, and and this this is evident in the cycle of of design that Edna Walling was involved with. You know, she was a, a fabulous. English came from England, but she did lots of wonderful designs here in, in, in Australia, all over Australia. And she started to, she started off by using lots of English plants for her gardens mm. in their designs. Mm. But by the time by, by 10, 15 years later, she'd gone the other way where she was she was using just native plants. Oh. So the whole thing just changed over a period of time. Yeah. And you know, I can remember in, in you know say the the 80s, for instance, that most people were wanting to have um, native gardens because they thought they were so much easier. They were you plant them and forget them, you know, mm-hmm. and they looked after themselves. Not um, necessarily and the case. No, that didn't happen. You know, one plant gets old and straggly, and 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 you know, they're not, it's not getting pruned, and so it's it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Mm. Um, you know, so things change with that. So so there was that was about the stage where they they people the designers were looking at what were classified as garden worthy plants, and incorporating those native garden worthy plants into. Their, you know, their mixtures of, of um, exotics the as two. well. Yeah, yeah. So it was a common misconception, pretty much for a very long time, that yeah. you couldn't possibly mix the two. No, you couldn't. You know, you no. either had to one be or one or the other. other yeah. You know, yeah. and and you know, I'm, I get, I still get asked today. You know, oh, we, we want a native garden, and mm. I, I would say to my clients, well, I could probably put a whole heap of South African plants in there that, that you, you wouldn't would consider, even realize. You wouldn't even realize <laughs> that they weren't Australian native plants. Mm, exactly. Now, people think that, you know, the protea is an Australian plant. Well, it's not. You know, leucodendron, the same thing. And there's lots and lots of those sorts of plants that you can incorporate and, uh, and tell the people, well, it's all natives, but they're not. No, got to be honest. Yeah. Okay, let's go right back to the basics. What exactly, Keith, is a native plant? Right. Well, a native plant is a plant that grows in Australia. So it's an Australian native plant. And then you, you come down from that and we get into... The local, the local indigenous area. plants. Yeah. So, indigenous, an indigenous native plant is an indigenous plant of Australia, but an indigenous plant of your local area is a totally different plant indeed. And it's evolved to adapt to it's, the local exactly. conditions. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So it's 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 acclimatized, and mm. you know, yeah, it, mm. it, that's dead right. It's just that's an adapted that, plant. Yeah. What's an exotic plant, Keith? An exotic plant is something that. Um, is in a, in a garden where it would not normally be. 
all right and and i would i would say that i could have exotic australian native plants in in, a, in an australian garden design and to give you an example of that macadamias or stenocarpus which is the firewheel tree now these are plants from way up way up in the in the um, subtropics and so forth but they will grow down in the garden and they are exotic native plants mm. an exotic a proper true exotic plant of course is something that um originated from overseas yeah. you know something say things like azaleas and rhododendrons yeah. which have come out of china yeah. um you know in lime trees and not the citrus lime trees but the linden lime you know they've come out of out of europe and so forth oak trees yeah. and those sorts of things are, are, are really exotic type trees mm -hmm. what are the benefits tell us please of combining native and exotic plants in our gardens and i know there are many look there are lots and lots you know um a lot of a lot of australian natives have been they've, they've acclimatized to their conditions so they will grow in dry shade for instance whereas a lot of other plants require regular watering except the mediterranean varieties mm -hmm. but we if we just take take um the, the combination of say if you had a, a beautiful old oak tree or a beautiful ash um, or a maple uh, as, as a feature tree within a garden then you're getting a, a, you're creating a whole different environment underneath that tree mm. because that tree is going that uh, the ground underneath that tree is going to be a lot cooler than it would be if you planted say a gum tree you know, okay. so then it gives you opportunities to plant lots of other plants that like those sorts of conditions underneath, you know, a canopy of trees that, you know, plants that will that, that grow beautifully in, in shade and in coolness. And, and you know, you create this moisture holding capacity of, 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 this, of the soil mm. by creating that sort of thing. Okay. What about the aesthetic appeal? The combination of the two can create really beautiful visually appealing landscapes can't oh, they absolutely. Just bring them together yeah, yeah and and you know colors a, textures all that sort of thing yeah and with 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 the the native trees i mean there's some magnificent uh, silver gums for instance you know that you could mix in them with with dark exotic foliage for instance and get really really good c contrast happening with those mm. um there's seasonal interest too yes. because i think if you if you combine the two then obviously there are some that you basically have a garden that goes on throughout the seasons exactly. by combining, cleverly combining, which is something that you do, the right plants to create that colour and yeah. foliage, you know, the texture and all that sort of yeah. thing. You've got some interest throughout the garden, throughout the seasons. Yeah, I, I do. And I, and I guess if, if the listeners are interested in, in, in this particular combination, which gives you a great example of, of, of how these can work, is I, I use a lot a ground cover and it is ca called Casuarina Glauca Cousinit. Yes. And it is just this wonderful mass mounds of of, of almost like a, a grass-like looking foliage that is horizontal. Mm. Now, if you could imagine that beautiful softness in a landscape and then behind it you can plant, uh, um, well, I use a plant behind it to emphasise the difference between the, the two foliages and I use a plant called uh, Ligularia reniformis, which is the tractor seat plant. The tractor seat. The tractor seat. Plant. Seat. Seat. Oh. So the, the actual leaves look like an old Massey Ferguson tractor wow. seat. You know, it's got the great big leaves, huge leaves. They, they can be up to, you know, bigger than a dinner uh, plate, yeah, you know, right, pizza-sized yeah. pizza plates. Mm. Um, and, and then you get that dark green of those. And because they're a layering effect, and then 
that in front of that you've got that beautiful sweeping habit of the of the casuarina as that ground cover with the little mounds and so forth you get this wonderful reaction between the two different plants mm. and then behind that that um tractor seat plant you could put beautiful grasses which gives you that beautiful vertical um, emphasis of, of yep. foliage yep. Yep. with the beautiful seed heads on the top. So something like Miscanthus sinensis flamingo yes. looks absolutely superb in that in that cut you know, in that combination range. Yes. And that's, you know, melding the, the exotics with the natives, and it's just superb. Is the tractor seat plant a exotic? Or it is. It is an exotic it's plant. It's an exotic okay. plant, yes. Right. We'll have to look out for that one, get a photo of Ligu that one. Ligularia reniformis, yeah, tractor seat plant. Now, the combination of the two plants, or the two types of plants, the varieties, can make the garden more resilient against pests. Is, is that true? And, and diseases? Yes. Having if, again, with clear, careful selection. Yes, you can do that. Um, you know, and in order to, to deter a lot of pests, you know, you can plant things like rosemary. Mm. Um, you can get both the rosemary, like the Tuscan blue, which you can actually ball up beautifully, or you can get uh, prostratus, which is the ground cover effect on it. Mm -hmm. So you're getting good contrast of colour, and that 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 emits beautiful oils, um, and pest and disease don't like attacking those. In fact. I had a I had a, a, a customer um, ring in to say that that, that they'd used um, rosemary in in pots along the fence line yep. to deter possums. Yes, because possums absolutely hate going into the rosemary, the rosemary line. Yeah. Oh, very good idea. There's an idea. Or yes. uh, the one I found out is is passion fruit vines on a fence. That's right. What do they deter, Keith? Uh, they deter possums. Why? Because they produce cyanide, Ooh. and they don't like it. Uh, though I did have did have someone. Let me know from Queensland that a lot of the new tips on, on some of their passion fruit have been eaten, and I'd say that the tips might to go, but the bigger leaves would not be touched. Because it's a true passion fruit. So yeah, it's, it right, is, yeah. Right, okay. Now, so while these, the combination of these plants is actually repelling certain insects and, mm -hmm. you know, animals and things that we don't want in the garden, it's also, on the other hand, um, offering uh, offering an extended season of nectar and pollen oh, sources. Yes, absolutely. So bringing in the beneficial... Insects, insects, yeah, for sure. So that's fabulous too. Absolutely, and, and you know, and, and this is where the the perennial line, mixing perennials in into into your gardens, is just this wonderful way of and bringing in you know, all those predatory insects, bringing in the bees, bringing in the birds, and then you've got this this whole micro ecosystem you know that tends to look after itself mm. rather than being a monoculture like yeah. vegetable patches, for instance, are monocultures for pest and disease because they can smell it and they hone in on it. Yeah. Dreadful things, and that's another thing you know about about mixing exotic plants. You can put vegetables into garden beds, you know, like multi, you know, the five coloured silver beet, yeah. or you know, the Tuscan kale or whatever else. Mm. Just gives you wonderful, you know, effects within the foliage. Just a more relaxed sort of. Yeah, it's a great way of attempts to make a garden, um, and it should also create a little bit less maintenance perhaps because the strategic placement of these plants again can create more of a balanced garden that requires less maintenance yes as native species often need less care due to the adaptation of local condi conditions exactly okay so um, that's and, and a positive that's, as well yeah and there's also something that you need that you know the people need to understand with australian natives is, is that they still do need um, you know a bit of regular pruning and so forth yeah. to, you know to take off all the dead flowers say for instance with banksias you need to take the the, you know, the spent flowers off that 
because it just produces these horrible woody walls on the plants that, that, that are not yeah. going to be productive next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and grevilleas, another thing, taking off the spent flowers of grevilleas also encourages, you know, that regrowth. But you've got to be very careful on, with, with grevilleas, for instance, that you don't cut too far back into it because um, if you cut too far back into a grevillea, they just will not regenerate. Okay. So you're just going to be mind. Do a little bit of research. Okay. But still... In general, a little less maintenance, I'm hoping. Oh, absolutely, a little less, <laughs> little less maintenance. Good. You know, and then, and then of course, you, we're lucky here in Australia now that our, our nurserymen are actually getting into the hybridisation of, of, of plants. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some beautiful little hybrids that they're creating now, like like the Casuarina glauca cousin it. That's a hybrid. That's a hybrid. Then, of course, you've got Acacia cognata, which is a, a beautiful weeping tree. Well, they've now hybridised it down into small forms like mini cog. Mm-hmm. Um, you yep. know, which is a, a in a miniature version of the tall one, mm-hmm. and and then you've got things like Westringers. Yes, um, you know the Westringer rosemary and folia is the is the parent plant, and they've hybridised that down with plants like Westringer Aussie box, um, grey box, which are dwarf, compact, tight little plants that don't need clipping. They'll just produce these beautiful little balls that you know look fabulous in the garden. And they're pretty much native. They're all native. They're, they're all native. Yeah. yeah. But they've also also with exotic plants, they've they've, they've adapted so that they will. Um, Produce, cope, with, yeah. cope with the environment as well. Exactly. So they've done a lot of work on both exotic and native yeah. plants. Yeah. Um, and, and even to, we talk about, you know, the hybridisation and the manipulation of, of plants, for instance. A, a very beautiful plant is, of course, the Western Australian flowering gum, mm-hmm. you know, but they can become absolutely enormous. And the problem with, with the, the flowering gum is that it's a Western Australian plant, so it's used to very, very deep, sandy soils, whereas here in Victoria, for instance, we've got very, very loamy soils. So they tend not to grow very well. So the, the, the nurserymen are now grafting the, the, the top plant onto a rootstock, um, which is a carimbia, uh, which is a form of, of eucalypt that would, that can make them dwarf form. So they might only get to three meters tall, but shows of magnificent flowers, and they're just beautiful in the garden. Talking about flowering gums, there are they are flowering so beautifully this year. There yeah. are so many beautiful flowering gums around. So they seem to be coping enjoying enjoying the weather. The weather, yeah. yeah. Um, when it comes to choosing exotic plants, the important thing is to select non-invasive varieties, correct? Yes, Can absolutely. Can you give us some examples? Um, and why? Well, bamboo. <laughs> you, if, you're gonna, if you, if you, if you want to really create a, a, a spot where you've got a very narrow garden bed and you, you've got, you want to hide the neighbour's place, then bamboo is one that you've just got to be very, very mindful of. Mm. So always select um, a clumping, clumping. form. Yep. Yeah, yep. Uh, and there's lots of those those particular varieties around that um, that just do clump, not spread. So that that's one form. But you know, there's, there's look, there are lots of other plants that can be weedy. Mm. Um, and I've got I've got a, I've got some in my own garden, but I'm I'm, I'm aware of them. So you're keeping control of them. Yeah. Keeping- so so for instance, I, for for real contrast in 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 leaf structure, I love using a plant called Tetrapanus Tetrapanix papyrifera, which is the rice paper plant. Yeah. But it will send out a root system that will pop up and uh, up a, a new plant. So you're just going to be mindful of going going across, just chopping that off. Yep. So you're controlling that particular plant. Okay. So that's one that can be very invasive as well. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. So, so just you, keep an you eye you just got to keep an eye on it, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, we've talked about the benefits of both native and exotic plants in the garden, and we've just on the imp- touched, obviously, on the importance of those non-invasive um, exotic plants. When it comes to plant choice and placement, what factors should be taken into account? Um, foliage, form, and colour. They're, okay. the, they're the, probably the three main things that, that I look at when I'm, I, I do a, a garden design placement. So you, you're, looking at, you, you're looking at putting the colours together that are going to work off one another and then the next consideration is the height. So you want, you want low at the front, graduating to higher at the very back to screening at the very back of that again. So it's, okay. it's a layered effect, okay. always looking for layers. And then you, what you're then looking for is for contrast in the colours of the, of, the, of the foliage, not the flowers. So, you know, greys work beautifully with green, dark greens, for instance. And then the last consideration is the form of the, the actual foliage. So as I said, said earlier about using the tractor seat plant in front of a, of a long creeping, long, you know, leaf plant, mm. fine leaf plant, you mm. get great contrast to foliage on that. So doing that layering effect... And then, of course, as I said, putting you know grasses up behind that gives you that that whole range and whole flow of of, of actual you know interest, colour, and form. And speaking of colour, when it comes to your clients, what do you when you sit down with your clients and they say they want you know all sorts of you know multiple mm-hmm. colours? Do you have to control that to a certain degree? You or do, and, as much and, as you and can? one of the one of the one of the first questions that I'll ask a client when when we're going to be looking at a perennial garden, for instance, is what colours do you like? What colours don't you like? For instance, I've just finished a design where the client wanted no orange in the garden. So she would go as far as yellow, but no oranges. So reds and blues and pinks, they're they're the combinations that that you you come in. So it's, it's me forming their brief in, into a landscape design. It's not me pushing my ideas no. and my, my, my colour likes onto them. Mm. It's coming up with that colour combination. But do you say, okay, I think you're going overboard if you want ten different colours or do you say let's keep it to five or does it not matter at all? No, it doesn't really matter because you then separate the cool colours from the hot colours mm. and you break those two lots of colours down by putting grey foliage in. Okay. So, and, and a great example of a grey foliage would be something like Artemisia, for instance, Valerie Finnis or Powers Castle, beautiful grey foliage, or even with the Wistringers now, the, mm. the Aussie box or the grey box, you, that gives you that break. Mm-hmm. It separates those colours. So okay. you can have the hot colours and the cool colours. As long as they're placed as appropriately. Appropriately, and, and yep. you've got that separation where it says grey, and that just separates mm. those colours out beautifully. Okay. Are there any plants that should be kept well away from each other that you can think of? I mean, I know that's a big question. but It is a big of. question. Sorry. Um, Get back to me on that one. Well, no. <laughs> uh, look, well, I'll, give you, I'll give, give you one example straight away. If you're thinking about, for instance, having as a backdrop, you want to, you you know, a, a nice big leaf plant as a backdrop. Think about an avocado. Mm. It's got beautiful big leaves. You get beautiful fruit off it. It's got a dark, shiny, glossy leaf. But the one plant that you, you it can just don't grow anywhere near it is a eucalypt. Because? You can't plant an avocado within eight metres of a eucalypt. Why because not? a eucalypt emits chemical poisons through their root systems that 
will kill an avocado in eight weeks. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that so that's one combination that you don't you don't go want to go putting into a garden. And other combinations are things that you know you don't want to be putting in fruit tight fruiting plants like cane berries, for instance, in in a spot that you know you, you, you that it can get out of control with. So you've got to have that degree of separation. Okay. Do you have any suggestions regarding ongoing maintenance, or do the same general rules apply? No, the same general rules apply. With you know, with them, if you're going to have a garden that um, has a, a good eclectic mix of natives with exotics, then one thing you have to keep in mind all the time is what sort of fertilisers you might be applying. Um, because you, a lot of Australian natives suffer from phosphorus toxicity, so any any um, any fertiliser that, that is high in phosphorus, such as chook manure, mm. that will kill an Australian natives that suffer from phosphorus toxicity very, very quickly. Okay. So separate those plants out from that. So you use a general, you know, that fertiliser. That was my question. What is that general fertiliser that well, we can safely if, use on everything? Well, there's, there's a Neutrog, Neutrog have identified this, for instance, and they have a product called Bush Tucker. Okay. And that is a very, very low phosphorus rate um, organic fertiliser, which is designed for Australian natives. So you'd use those around the Australian natives to kick them on and going. Um, and then you'd use, a, you know, um, Gigantic, for instance, is another great one for perennials and for um, exotics as well. Rooster Booster? Roost, no, Rooster Booster is high for, for so exotics. That's fantastic, for exotics, yeah. but no good for okay. no good so for natives. So you really got to be careful because you're going to, you know, if you've got them planted together, you're going to, and you're wanting to throw a general fertilizer over things. Yeah, bush tucker would be better. And the, bush, is that going to work on the exotics? It will. Though? It okay. will. Yeah, okay. but perhaps not as much as say gigantic would. So okay, okay. so you need to separate that out a little bit. That is good advice because I would have thrown. Well, I wouldn't if I would have asked you, but uh, it's easy. To, you, you know, when we're when we have little time, we want to use a fertiliser we can put on everything. <laughs> oh, of course I've, I've got, we I've got do, five Pete. minutes spare time. I'm just going to get on and chuck some fertiliser around and bang. <laughs> you, well, you've done more damage than good. Yeah, that's right. That's why I want to know what, what's going to be safe. Yeah. Okay. As we strive for sustainable landscaping practices, combining both native and non-invasive exotic plants can create a balanced and thriving garden. By choosing the right plants, you can create an environment that supports local wildlife, conserves resources and adds beauty to your surroundings. We hope you'll embrace the benefits of native plants and carefully selected exotic plants and fertiliser to add to your existing garden or to create a brand new space for both you and nature to enjoy for years to come. Thank you for listening to Muddy Boots. For more information on today's podcast, please go to muddyboots.net.au and happy gardening.